0: Did you all have fun with that? <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Um, pulling double duty today. We had a little sickness in our band. So uh, it was an awesome, it was, it was Jack and the Lunsford's this morning. That's how we're calling it. Fun to play with my boys. And uh, you know, we are Vikings fans. So uh, we are proud Vikings fans today. If you don't know anything about that, go home and figure it out, because it's really important t- to us. Um, <laughs> Well, as I start today, I want to tell you a little something that most people don't know about me. And that is that I hate hiking. I hate Woo! it. OK, all right, one other person with me. Now, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I just I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And it isn't as if I haven't tried. I have tried numerous times. I've been on plenty of hikes. It's just, I I just don't, I don't enjoy it. Um, Now, I know some of you love hiking, and I'm not trying to sway you from that, but seriously, why? I don't know. I mean, like, what is it? I don't know. It's just, it's not for me. Now, in hindsight, my hatred of hiking may be simply because I'm just not very good at it. That might be part of the issue. For instance, the last hike I can remember going on it was about three years ago with my golden retriever Douglas and I decided hey look I live in Arizona right you know everyone talks about hiking like it's this amazing experience in the desert and so I'm gonna go hiking I'm gonna go on my day off I'm gonna go hiking and now keep in mind at this time I was sort of like a closet hater of hiking I hadn't fully come out about that I wasn't sure if you could in Arizona There was just so much peer pressure, I felt, to be a person who liked hiking. I hear people talking about it. I'm like, I guess I should like hiking. So Douglas and I went. Now, the trail I went to was pretty easy at first, but eventually it turned into a pretty steep descent, or ascent, I should say. And we were doing fine until we got almost to the top. Now, at the time, I was not in shape Nor was my golden retriever Douglas, okay? We were two middle-aged, out-of-shape guys, just huffing and puffing our way to the top. And let's be honest, I'm gonna be honest with you, it was not that high of a mountain peak, okay? But we were struggling. Now, determined to be a hiker and say we at least we made it to the top, we just kept on. Now, at one point, as we were nearing the top, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what in the world? Who made this trail? It was like, I was like scaling the mountain to get up to the top. And I have this 90 pound golden retriever that's like, what are we doing, right? And I'm pushing the dog up to the top of the mountain. And we're sweating. The dog's tongue is just hanging on the ground. And then finally we make it. And we sit on this rock, we're overlooking the valley. And as I sat down on that rock, and I grabbed my sip of water, and we looked out over the city for five minutes. It was in that moment that I realized, we have to go back down. (laughs) And that's when I started hating hiking. Actually, that wasn't the exact moment that I started hating hiking. Because it wasn't because we had to go back down the way we came that made me really hate hiking. I started hating hiking when I realized there were people coming up from a different place than where we had come up from and it was in that moment that i realized we were on another trail actually we were not on a trail at all toward the end at some point during the hike i don't know how I had walked off the beaten path and onto some random look-alike trail that led me scaling the side of the mountain with my 90-pound golden retriever. And Douglas, I'm sure, is looking back like, this guy's an idiot. What is he doing? Didn't he see where we were supposed to go? And so while Douglas and I were panting and huffing our way to the top of the mountain, numerous people were just easily making their way up the trail. Now, needless to say, we took the easier way down, and I have not been hiking since. (laughs) Why do I tell you this story? Well, for one, whatever you do, please don't invite me to go hiking. I will do anything, right? I'll go for a coffee. I'll go play basketball. Man, I'll go skydiving, just not hiking, okay? So don't ask me to go. Second thing is this life is so much harder when we get on the wrong path isn't it i mean climbing the side of that mountain was the last straw for me and hiking i mean who knows maybe if i'd gone the right way maybe i wouldn't have this just total hatred of hiking today because life spent on the wrong path is just no fun it's exhausting it's hard it's arduous and it's defeating And yet, it's possible that you've walked in here today and you realize, I've been walking on the wrong path lately. And maybe it's only been a short time. Maybe it's been all of your life. But you've realized the path that you're taking is hard, it's arduous, it's stressful, it's exhausting, and it's defeating. The song that we played this morning is by Lenny Kravitz, Uh, It's probably his biggest hit called, Are You Gonna Go My Way? It was released in February of 1993 and became an instant hit around the world, likened to Jimi Hendrix, the style and musicality of the song. It's catchy, and it's raw, it's bluesy. And the lyrics pose this really interesting question. Are you gonna go my way? Now, what's even more interesting is that Kravitz wrote the song with a very specific person in mind. In an interview, Kravitz is recorded as saying, I thought the subject matter was really interesting because it's coming from the mouth of Jesus Christ. As I thought, are you gonna go my way, meaning my way of love? I had no idea that that song would become what it became. No idea, there was nothing on the radio like that. Kravitz wrote this song from the perspective of the one who came at Christmas. Jesus. Look at the verse, the first verse, and then the chorus that follows. In the first verse, it says, I was born long ago. I'm the chosen. I'm the one. I have come to save the day, and I won't leave until I'm done. But what I really want to know is, are you going to go my way? Kravitz had this deep affection for Jesus. In fact, he referred to Jesus often as the ultimate rock star. And in the song, he is revealing the ultimate question that Jesus asks of all people. Are you going to go my way? You see, even Lenny Kravitz realizes that Jesus did not come to be admired. Jesus came to be followed. In our modern culture, admiration for Jesus is off the charts. We admire Jesus. He is admired by so many in our world. In fact, he's so admired that people will often refer to him as the ultimate rock star or my homeboy if you grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, right? But listen, Jesus never asked, are you going to admire me? The only question Jesus asks is, are you going to go my way? Are you going to come with me? Are you going to follow me? Which brings us to Christmas. The story of Christmas includes an intriguing story of a group of men who answered the question, are you going to go my way? That's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you haven't done so yet, uh, open up your phone and you can go to the YouVersion app. Everything should be in there for you this morning. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now prior to this passage... Mary and Joseph, they travel to Bethlehem for a census. Uh, the Caesar at the time wants to count how many people are in his empire. He wants to know, how many people do I have under my control? How many people are paying my taxes that come to me? So he calls a census. And to do it, you had to go back to your hometown, and you had to register and say, I am alive. I am a part of this Roman empire. So Mary and Joseph, Joseph being from Bethlehem, have to go back to Bethlehem for the census. Now. On the way, Mary goes into labor, and as they get there, under really crazy circumstances, Jesus is born. And unbeknownst to most people, Jesus arrives in the company of animals and the stench of feces, in a barn, most likely a cave of some sort, that was carved into the mountains around Bethlehem. Now, in Luke's account of the Christmas story, the very first visitors to Jesus were the shepherds. We're going to look at the shepherds on Saturday. They arrive presumably within hours of Jesus' birth in this cave barn situation he's in. And though Matthew doesn't include the shepherds in the story, his, his account of the story. He does mention some unlikely visitors who arrive sometime after Jesus' birth. And that's where we're going to pick it up. Matthew chapter four, 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew writes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that that same time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them. When the star first appeared, then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to be returned to Herod. Okay, so the wise men, the magi, some will refer to them as. In Matthew chapter 2, they are some of the more mysterious characters in all of the Bible, especially in the Christmas story. Truth is, we know very little about the wise men in the story. They never appear again. And they don't seem to quite fit within the context of the rest of the story. But there they are, Matthew includes them, and I think for really good reason. Now there are some things we can learn about these wise men from history. Uh, For instance, Chad Ashby, a, a, a curator for the Christianity Day, he writes that wise men were astrologers and interpreters of omens, following a star and dreaming dreams. In the book of Daniel, if you ever read the book of Daniel, magi are called by king nebuchadnezzar to interpret his dreams these wise men or magi were often people who were well respected within the kingdoms they belonged to and they were assistants or advisors to whoever was ruling to help them understand what it was they were supposed to do in the future. They were watchers of the sky as well. They were ancient astrologers and meteorologists. They helped determine the weather and the future for kingdoms, interpreting dreams and determining omens. And again, they were well-respected. They were highly intelligent, intellectual, influential members of society. Kings and royalty regarded them as essential pieces to their success in their kingdoms. Now, all that said, Matthew really only gives us one reason why these men traveled to find Jesus. There was a star in the sky in such a way that these men decided to follow it. But Matthew also seems to indicate that there was something they were looking for, that this was something they knew to be on the lookout for in the world. Again, we aren't entirely sure why they seem to know Jesus will be at the end of their travels, but it's likely that they are aware of some of the Old Testament prophecies and understand what they mean. It's very possible that because of Daniel's rule within Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom hundreds of years prior, a lot of these prophecies have been passed down from generation to generation among magi who are also assistants of Daniel's. And so these magi obviously know they are looking for something like this, and they see it. We can also determine that the Holy Spirit is awfully active in their lives. Right? It's what leads them towards Bethlehem. At the end of the passage, verse 12, Matthew records that God reveals to go to, to them to go a different direction home during a dream, meaning and indicating that God is working in them to determine their steps through this whole process. Now, whatever the case may be, the wise men end up making their way to Bethlehem, and on the way they run into Herod. Now, Herod's not a nice guy. Herod's the worst. He was known for ruling with a very heavy hand, known for treating those under his care with contempt and oppression. And so Herod intercepts the wise men and asks them to go and find Jesus and then tell them where he, tell him where he is so that they can go and worship him too, so that he can go and admire this Messiah. Now regardless, the whole story shows us that from day one, the question is being asked in this whole story, the question God is asking of Jesus is of these people, are you going to go? the way of Jesus. The stars in the sky signaling to the world that the Messiah has to arrive, and the only question for the watching world is are you going to go to him? Are you gonna go in his direction? The wise men did. We don't know how far they traveled, but it was probably quite a distance. And they, like the shepherds, would be the first to bow and to worship before the king of kings, the prince of peace, And Herod would never get his chance to admire Jesus. In the end, the story of the wise men should cause all of us to pause and hear the question of Jesus, as said by Lenny Kravitz, Are you going to go my way? The story of the wise men should cause us to pause and ask ourselves the question, Am I just an admirer of Jesus? Or a follower of Jesus you know Matthew the author of this story knew the right answer to this question Matthew was one of Jesus very first followers prior to that he was a hated tax collector in the first century but then in Matthew chapter 9 Matthew himself records the day everything changed for him And he records this, he says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say, hey, Matthew, look at me. Just take a minute, take it all in, admire what you see, and then when you're done, you can move on with your life. No, he says, I want you to follow me. Come and follow me. The Greek word that Jesus used there, that Matthew records Jesus using there, is the Greek word akalotheo. And it means follow. It means follow. A few years back, many of you were here then, I had that very word uh, tattooed on my arm as a reminder that I am not just an admirer of Jesus. And I'm a follower of Jesus of Jesus, and those are two very, very different things. I want to be a person who's walking in step with Jesus. Even when I get off track, I look down at my arm and I am reminded again that I am following him, that he is continuously calling out to me with that question, are you gonna go my way? Again, Jesus didn't come to be admired. Jesus came to be followed. The story of Christmas calls us to be people who don't just come and admire Jesus for a day or for a night, but it calls us to be in step with him every day of our lives, living as he lived, loving as he loved walking in step with him, listening and obeying his instructions to us to love, to forgive, to show compassion, to be generous, to seek the kingdom of God, to live as he intended us always to live. Christmas is the reminder that God came to us and invites us to come his way. He comes to us and he says, follow me. I will lead you to life. I will lead you to love. I will lead you to mercy and compassion. Just in case you aren't sure that following Jesus will mean all of that for you, let me just share with you my all-time favorite verse, which is Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. It reads, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Are you gonna go my way, Jesus asks. Because if you do, I will teach you to be humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. My burden is light, Jesus says. There's nothing heavy about walking in step with me going down the wrong path is weary it's exhausting it's stressful it's burdensome it's like me hiking with my golden retriever on the last part of that hike just pushing my way to the top huffing and puffing my way to the very top and it's maybe just like you right now in this season you feel like you are just huffing and puffing your way to the top of this mountain we call christmas And as you climb, Jesus is saying, will you just come my way? There is an easier way. There is a way that leads you to rest. There is a way that leads you to joy. There is a way that leads you to life. It is gentle and it is light. You don't have to scale the mountain anymore. Come and follow me. And I will give you rest. I mean, maybe this Christmas you really are huffing and puffing your way down the wrong path, and Jesus is inviting you to a new one. Jesus calls out to you on Christmas and says, there is an easier, there is a better way. Walk my trail. Take my way upon you. Follow me, and I will lead you to life that is light and full of rest. So again, I'll ask you, will you go the way of Jesus this Christmas? Will you, like the wise men, head towards the light given at Christmas? Will you just choose to admire Jesus this Christmas, or will you choose to follow Jesus this Christmas? I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the the tree and the lights and the decorations and the parties and the food kind of and the you know, like I just love all of the stuff that comes with it, but I catch myself just sort of becoming this admirer of Christmas sometimes. Oh, look at all the nice things. Isn't this nice? And then I'm reminded again, on a morning like this, of the wise men who traveled a great distance because they heard the call of Jesus, are you gonna come my way? The light is there, all you have to do is follow it. and I. That same call thousands of years later still exists for us today. Will we just be admirers of Jesus this Christmas or will we be followers of Jesus? Will we humbly bow before Jesus, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one who came for us to say, Jesus, have your way with me. Lead me to the life that you have promised in Matthew 11. I will follow you because I know that the burden is light, that you are gentle at heart, and that in the end, I will find rest for my soul. Will you be an admirer of Jesus or will you be a follower of Jesus? This is the question of Christmas. That's the question Jesus asked us this morning. Are you going to go my way? Let's pray. Jesus, I'm just so grateful for the story of Christmas, the scandalous nature of Christmas, that the God of the universe, the creator of the world, would step from heaven into the lowliness of a barn, a manger, surrounded by animals and stench, And that he would do so, so that we would know who you are. So that we would have a way to you. And this morning, I hear you asking us that question. Are you going to go my way? Are you going to follow me? There is life in its fullness to be had when you walk my path. So this morning, I pray, God, that we would we would move from being admirers of you to being followers of you, that we would seek, especially in the coming week, the opportunities that we have to truly follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're so grateful that you would come to us. You would live among us. You would give us an example to follow. You would show us what... What love and life and grace and mercy and compassion and generosity look like. That you would go to the cross, willingly giving your life, that we might be forgiven. Past, present, and future, forgiven the shame would be removed from our lives that we would no longer have to hold on to our past that we would have to feel that we no longer have to feel like we have to somehow make up for all of our mistakes but that in that moment when you gave the life the same life the same heartbeat the same breath that came on christmas when you gave it up for us we were forgiven and that then 3 days later you would defeat sin satan and death and rise from the grave giving us the hope of new life that we would be able to live into your promises knowing that we can follow you by your Spirit's leading every day of our life. And so this morning, we climb to our knees and we declare we will go your way. We'll follow you. We won't just admire you. We won't just give you a thumbs up as we pass by. We will seek to follow you. We will hear that word, akalutheo. We will rise and we will go. We will follow you, the light of the world, the star that guided the wise men thousands of years earlier. We will respond to that this morning and we pray all this in Jesus' name.